turn in your uh, Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 8, Luke chapter 8. Uh, and while you turn there, I just want to give you guys a bit of news. Uh, I know that many of you heard uh, about Buddy McCarter. Uh, he had a stroke uh, early this week. Uh, he is still in, in, in critical, condition, critical condition in intensive care in Charlotte. Um, uh, so just be praying. He's still, still in a coma. We want to continue to pray for him and his wife, Margaret, and, and, and his girls. Um, so just lift him up. And we did have a, a, a continue to pray for Jonathan uh, McGirt, who um, finished his 10 rounds, 10 days of treatment. So he's back at home, which is a big deal. Uh, but now the, the, the challenge comes to put on weight. Um, so he really needs to put on weight. He's got down, lost a lot of weight this past um, week. We, we're, we're glad to have Barbara back. Uh, with us. I know that she's, she's tired. She's been with him by his side, as she always is, uh, for the last 10 days. So we want to make sure we can lift them up uh, in prayer. Well, um, we're going to continue to be working through Luke's gospel. Uh, I'm going to be reading Luke uh, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Uh, then I'll pray, and then we'll dive into the Word of God. I hear the Word of the Lord, uh, Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 26. When they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told to the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Then those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed, Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that he has descended to us. God, we thank you that he did marvelous works. God, we thank you for the testimony that what we just read of the power that Jesus had over the spiritual forces of darkness. God, we pray that we would be reminded today about the power and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we we first come asking for forgiveness as a as a church. Father, there is many ways in which this past week we have not acknowledged Jesus' power over spiritual darkness. God, I pray that you would just forgive us of our sins. 
that today you would help us realign our minds and our hearts on you. Father, there is much need in our church, so God, we lift them to you now. We pray specifically now for Buddy McCarter. God, we pray that you would wake him from his coma. God, we pray that there is no permanent paralysis. God, we pray that you help him make a, a, a full recovery. God, we pray, Lord, we pray for Margaret. We pray for faith, Lord. We pray that he would be surrounded um, with faith of believing friends and family. And God, we pray that you would give um, them a testimony of what you have done in their lives through this stroke. And God, we ask that that same testimony be given to Jonathan. Father, we're reminded of what the Apostle Paul, when he said that through your prayers um, and the help given by the Spirit of Christ, that what will happen to me will turn out for my deliverance. So God, we pray that what has happened to Jonathan will turn out for his deliverance, that now, as always, Christ would be exalted in his body. God, we pray that you would continue to, to, to heal him, God, give him strength, uh, give him uh, the ability to gain weight, Lord. Uh, we pray for an appetite. And God, we thank you that, that we, we could see the end is coming. So God, we pray that you continue to have your hand on Jonathan. God, we thank you for Barbara and all that she's done um, for him over the last uh, days. God, we pray that you continue to give her strength and courage uh, and the faith that she has displayed so beautifully. God, we thank you for Max Phillips. We thank you so much for his life, Father, for 91 years and his faithfulness to this church. God, we pray that you continue to use him for your glory uh, here at Park Baptist Church. God, we thank you for the example he is to to us young men uh, of a godly, a caring husband uh, and a leader in his home. So God, we pray that you bless him today on his 91st birthday. Father, we also pray that you bless the gospel across this city. We specifically pray for uh, the upcoming outreach uh, through Mission uh, Rock Hill, God, as churches gather together to bless teachers. God, we pray that even now you are preparing teachers' hearts that when they are uh, blessed with supplies, that they would be encouraged uh, with the hope of the gospel. God, make your name great in Rock Hill. God, expand your influence in this city. God, call people who are in spiritual darkness uh, to life. God, we pray now for our own hearts as we open your word. God, we pray that this would not just be another time in the Word, uh, hearing words from a man. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak, God. God, we need to hear a word from you. So God, I pray that I would hide behind the cross. God, I pray that I may decrease, that you may increase. God, exalt your holy and awesome name this morning. God, prepare our hearts to hear from you. God, we want a word from you. God, we humbly ask this. In the name of our great and mighty Savior, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, well, beloved, it is good to be back, uh, and we are diving into the, the Word this morning. It's amazing when you read certain uh, texts in the Scriptures, there are certain uh, stories that you read in the Bible that, that people with modern sensibilities don't like. <laughs> this is one of those texts that when you approach it this morning, people in our world look at it and they try to explain it not as if it actually happened, but they want to explain it through other means. They want to allegorize it. Well, this really didn't happen. Demons weren't really, um, you know, exercised from this man. It was really just a story symbolizing something else. Now, you see this often in our day with, when we try to be uh, really intelligent in our own minds. And what we end up doing is we end up walking away from the Scriptures, now, we see this, this battle of good and evil all over our culture, don't we? Every time you, you turn on the television and the new movie comes out, there's always this, this battle 
between forces of good and forces of evil. Uh, that's why Star Trek has lasted so long. Uh, I was watching on Netflix the other day, the, the first Star Trek, when it came out in 1966, 71. Dan corrected me, thank you. If I ever say anything wrong for the pulpit, feel free to just shout it out. But Star Trek has lasted so long. Why? Because this battle of good and evil is, is, is woven in to the fabric of our, our culture, of our world. We have a battle between God and the devil. And I think what we see here is we want to dismiss that because we don't want to think of evil in our day. We want to, to go to the movies and watch it on a screen, but then we want to go home and not think about evil. Because when we think about evil, what do we have to do? We have to look inside the evil and the sin inside our own heart, but also in our world. And that sometimes is difficult. So I pray this morning that when we look at this text that we won't try to, to cast it aside as something that did not really happen. The Bible is true. Amen? Amen. Beloved, we want to look at this as a true text from God's Word. So if you want to follow along on the, the outline provided, just two uh, truths this morning that we want to look at. Uh, the first one, that Jesus has power over spiritual bondage. Jesus has power over spiritual bondage. Now, this has not happened to me yet. I have not been in a boat and stepped out on land and was met by a man who had been possessed by demons. I kind of hope that does not happen to me in my ministry, but it happened to the ministry of Jesus. And I want you to see how totally controlled, how, how, how much in bondage this man was by these demons. Look with me in verse 27. It said, when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. There's a phrase throughout the text, who had demons, or demons who had gone out from him. It was very clear that this man was possessed by demons. And then it says, for a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So just think about how this would completely affect his life. Let me just be honest. Can I be honest with you for a second? If you stop wearing clothes, I am not going to be your friend. Okay? This man was isolated from society. He did not have close relationships because he walked around naked. He did not live in a house, in a home, but he kept on roaming and rambling around with tombs associated with that which was dead people, death. It affected him verbally. You know, we don't hear it from this text, but this, this account is, uh, is in Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 5. And what it says is that day and night he cried out in a loud voice, cutting himself with stones. He couldn't even communicate because of the, the bondage that these spiritual demons were ravaging on this man. His whole life was affected. Now, we can read this, and I'm sure the people who, who knew of this man thought that he was beyond hope. He was beyond hope. Now, it's hard to imagine someone in our area walking around naked and living among the tombs. But you could imagine that a lot of people knew of this man during this time, and they probably talked him out a, a good bit. And if they ever saw him, 
they probably went the other way. That's just an assumption. And then when they looked at him, they probably said, there is no hope for that man. Now here's the thing. How many people do we see in our own life that we look at them on the surface and we say, there is no hope for that person? Maybe they're under the, 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 um, the addiction of a drug or alcohol, ravaging their body. And we look at them, and on the surface we say, there is no hope for them. We all have probably experienced people in our lives like that. But here's what I want us to see this morning. I want us to take a step back, and I want you to look inside your own heart first. Because as much as this man was totally and completely in bondage by the forces of darkness, everyone who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ has been in the same situation. The Bible says that we were born in sin. We were clothed in iniquity. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 3, Paul says that we were all once foolish disobedient, slaves to various passions and pleasures, spending our days in malice and envy, hating others and being hated by others. Every single one of us was in a situation like this man possessed by demons. We were beyond hope. We were under the wrath of God. Actually, biblically, we were God's enemies. And as a pastor, I I try to remind this to you often. I want you to think about how lost you were without God. Because when we lose the sense that we were totally and utterly lost without God, that we have now, because we've been a Christian for so long, or been a part of a church for so long, or, or doing things differently than we did before, if we forget that we had been lost, pride starts to creep into our lives. And very slowly and very subtly, we start to lift ourselves up above others. But we can never lose our sense of wonder of how far God has saved us. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians who's lived, who penned uh, 13 letters in the New Testament, how does he remember himself? He looks back at his own life and he says, I thank God who has strengthened me, Jesus Christ my Lord, because he has judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. Paul looked back at himself and he saw himself as the chief sinners. That's why when he says this testimony is trustworthy and true, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the foremost. I believe that one of the reasons why churches like ours, uh, churches across our land, who have lost their evangelistic zeal for helping proclaim the gospel to the lost world, is because we've forgotten that we were once lost too. And we look at people and we think that they're beyond hope. But beloved, you are sitting here today as a Christian because God in His mercy showed you the light of the glory of the gospel in the face of Christ who is the image of God. You have been redeemed. That's why we sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We are here this morning because of the blood of the Lamb. Never lose the sense of how lost you were without God. Never lose it. Never lose it. We were totally and utterly lost. And that's the situation where Jesus comes into, to a man completely and totally, utterly lost. Look down to verse 28. We see his interaction. When he saw Jesus, this man, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Well, one of the things that you see when we talk about the the demonstration of the Lord's power here is that these demons knew his position. The demons knew who Jesus Christ was. They, They said right off the bat, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? They knew that Jesus was the divine Messiah. But they also knew their position in relation to the Messiah. Now, we often think that um, the demons are kind of out there, and they are. We don't talk about them often. It's not something you bring up at parties. So, how, how, have you seen any demons lately? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Checks in the mail. But when we think about these, these demons, they actually had excellent theology. They knew exactly who God was, and they knew where they stood uh, with him. That's why the first thing we see these angels do, they cry out with a loud voice, and what do they do? They fall down before him. See, this is the problem with the lostness in our world, is that we are so lost, we don't even see who God is. We don't even know that we need to fall before the face of God. Christ. But these demons did. They fell prostrate before him. That word used there for fall down is the same word we get to to use for worship. They prostrated themselves before God. But not only did they know who God was, they knew their end. They knew who they were in relation to Jesus. What did they beg? Go down to verse 30. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. And verse 31, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now you read this in Revelation chapter 20. At the end of time, God will gather up all the people who are against him, all the devil and his, his demons, and they will cast them into a bottomless pit where they will be no more. So these demons know that that was where they were heading. They were heading towards this bottomless pit. It's going to happen. They know it's going to happen. We find out from the, from, the, from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, he said, you know, do not send us into the pit before the time. They know it's coming. What they want to do now is they want to wreak as much havoc and sin in our world to bring people against our Lord. But they knew their day was coming. And beloved, that should be a huge encouragement to us. Because one of the, the greatest encouragements I have as a man, that I know that one day all evil, all evil will end. So when you, you feel the aches and the pains in your body, when you have friends and loved ones struggling with cancer or physical ailments, can I just tell you, their suffering will end. All evil will be eradicated by the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We can hold on to that. The demons know it. Beloved, can we believe it? Can we believe that the end, God wins? Let us hold faith in that. They also knew of Jesus' power. Because I think the whole passage, if you want to sum it up, what's the purpose? Is that Jesus has power over spiritual forces. Now, in verse 30, when Jesus asked him, what is your name? He says, Legion. Now, Legion was a Roman, uh, referring to a Roman regiment, about 6,000 soldiers. We don't know exactly how many demons are there. In in the Gospel of Mark, it it says there's 2,000 pigs, and we'll talk about those in a second now. 2,000 pigs ran off the cliff. So there's a lot of demons there. But just think about how many demons were there, and there was what? There was one Jesus. And what did all these demons do? They quaked in fear. They quaked in fear. Now, how many times as a Christian do we know that we have the Spirit of Christ living in us? We have been born again by the Spirit of Christ. He who is in us is stronger than he who is in the world. And yet we face the forces of of evil in our world, and we are quaking. We are afraid to share about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus stood in front of a legion of demons, and they were quaking. That's an awesome God. Amen? You know, I love that picture. He's a powerful, awesome God. Then we see this exorcism happened in verse 32. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he, Jesus, gave them permission. They had to ask permission to do this. In verse 33, the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When you read this passage, you may understand a lot of it, and then you get to the pigs. And you ask yourself, what is the point of the pigs? You know, it kind of brings up all these questions. Well, I think there's there's several significance of why the pigs are in this story. I think one, that we just understand that this is a Gentile region. Jews thought pigs were unclean animals. They would not have had a herd of pigs. So this is, this is a Gentile area, people who are outside the, the, the normal idea of the kingdom of God because they were not Jewish. And I think it also reinforces the, the, the size of the number of demons inside this man. As I said before, we learned from Mark, there was about 2,000 pigs, this great herd that rushed over the, the, the side of the cliff. And I think this is just something that, you know, well, actually, I won't go there. Sometimes, listening to your wife is a good thing, amen? Uh, But one of the things I also see here is that every time we see in the Scripture that evil is purged, it always comes at great cost. This is a battle. We are in a war. And how did God give us victory? God gave us victory through a sacrifice. And what we see here in this story is that this man who was possessed by demons was more valuable than the lives of these pigs. These pigs were sacrificed. They were sent over and they were no more so that this man could live and be healed. Well, beloved, what has happened to us? We were in bondage to our sin. We were slaves. We were enemies of God. And God sent His Son his one and only Son, to live and to die in 
our place that we may have life. God chose us to be valuable over the life of even his own son. But this also is an application for our own lives. Every time we have to purge evil, every time we have to face evil, it comes at great cost. So are there things in your life that you need to purge, that you need to get out of your life because they are affecting your relationship with God? Can I just tell you, everything in my life that I have given up, I have never regretted it if it got me closer to the Lord. I don't think I've ever regretted watching less TV. I don't think I've ever regretted not eating that late night snack at 11.30. Well, you guys don't do that. (laughs) when When we do things that dishonor God, we don't even think about the effect. But when we look back and we realize the things that we gave up got us closer to the Lord, we never regret that. We never look back and say, I wish I would have done that. It's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice only before we do it. Afterward, it's always looked at as a joy. Well, the second point I want to to point out today, not only do we see Jesus' power uh, over spiritual bondage, we also see Jesus has a purpose in spiritual deliverance. Jesus has purpose in spiritual deliverance. Look what we see happen here. And I think if you look at the, how the text is arranged, there's two things that Luke wants you to see. The first is Jesus' power. He has power over spiritual darkness. But the second thing is he has a purpose when he delivers people from that darkness. Look at verse 34. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the, in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding countries of the garrison asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got in the boat and returned. So look at this, how this situation happens. There's this man who was demon-possessed, a man that no one really liked, that was kind of the outcast of the town. He, he, he was naked and walked around the cemetery, not the social elite. He was an outcast, and God delivered him. And the first thing that happened is the herdsmen, the ones who lost all their property, lost all the pigs, went into town to tell people what happened. Now, you have heard stories from different people. And sometimes you hear stories uh, phrased one way with a certain emphasis, and then you hear from somebody else and you hear the same story. Instead of having a negative emphasis, you have a positive emphasis. Can you imagine what these herdsmen said when they went back into town? You know, I've read this story a long time, and I think most times I'll read it, I always think that they, they go back to the town and say, man, you would not believe what just happened. Do you know George who walks around naked, who's, who's living out in, in, in the tombs? Man, the demons are gone. He's, he's clothed and he's, he's in his right mind. You've got to come see this. I think I always read it like that. But when I, when I read it this morning, when it says the herdsmen went out, now what just happened to the herdsmen? They just lost 2,000 pigs. They lost their livelihood. They lost their property. I could see them going into the towns and saying, man, you would not believe what I just saw. 
You know George, who's got all those demons right inside, who was naked? Man, they went out, went into my pigs, and went over, went over the side of the lake. Can you believe that? I lost everything for that man, that man who walks around naked. Can you believe that? Man, i got to go see this. You know, do you see the different emphasis? And, and, I, and I, I think that, you know, we have to be a kind of people that, that share what happens to people when they are saved in a positive light. I was watching this week, and I, one of the things that I have a passion for is revival. I want to see revival happen. You know, we can't make revival happen. That is a gift of God, and we pray for it. But I pray that God will bring a revival in this church and in this city. I pray for it often. But what happens when God's Spirit moves in a powerful way? It tends to upset the apple cart, doesn't it? And that's what's happening here. These people lost their property. They lost the, the, the idea of these pigs, and they were f- afraid. They were frightened at what Jesus would, would do. So what do they say to Jesus? Leave. Get out of here. We don't want you here. We don't want our lives to be changed. How would we respond if that happened in our town? If we saw the power of God come, even for the sake of property, would I be willing to have my home destroyed if it meant that my neighbor who doesn't know God would come to Christ? Do I care more about my stuff, my property, than I do about the souls of man? Now, I want to say one side, but I don't know if I want to lose my house. But I think that's what Jesus is trying to say here. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond with great joy that one who is lost has been reunited with God? Or are you going to say, go away from me, Jesus. Leave me. I don't want my life to change that much. Well, we see how this man transformed. Now, we don't know why these people were afraid. They could have been fear of the power of change. Uh, They could have been just afraid of just being around the supernatural. Uh, But one of the things that, the the purposes that we see here is I think there's three things, and I'll close with this, three things of the purpose of Christ in this story. The first one is that there's there's a purpose in spiritual deliverance for God. Anytime someone is healed or saved, God is glorified. Every time someone who is in darkness comes to light, God is glorified. If I preach and one of you comes to faith or you are spiritually blessed, I will not be glorified. God will be glorified. He is the one who saves. Amen? So in this passage here, Jesus Christ is glorified. He is the one who saved this man. But I think, secondarily, I think the purpose for our spiritual deliverance is for ourselves. You know, we just sang a great song, Blessed Assurance. And what is the, what is the chorus? This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Every single one of you who have come to faith in Christ has a story. Now, I talk to a lot of you, and I talk about evangelism, sharing your faith, and one of the things that we always say, we say what? I don't know what to say. I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. Well, do you know your story? 
Do you know how God saved you? Do you know how you heard the gospel and believed? Share your story. Who do you have in your life right now who you know is not a Christian? Get that person in your mind. Right? Are they in your mind? Say, yes, pastor, they're in my mind. Okay, or just to shake your head. Okay? Now, that person who's in your head, I want you to share your story with this week. Just say, hey, do you mind if I share you my, tell you my story? And you just tell them your testimony, how God saved you. Right? If you want a, a way to lead into that conversation, say, hey, my pastor told me I, I have to do this. Do you mind if I just tell you this? Because my pastor told me I should. And they'll listen. Trust me, people are very respectful and kind. But let's just share our story. Now, what, what, what difference would that make if every single one of us shared our story with one person every week? There's 100 people here. So at the end of the week, 100 non-Christians would hear the story of Jesus through our lives. At the end of a, of a year, 5,200 people would hear the story of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ through our story. Because look exactly what happens at the end of this text. Verse 38, this man was so radically changed. He was in bondage and he was free. And look, look what happens in verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. God, Jesus, can I please go with you? You have changed my life. Let me go. And Jesus says something profound. He sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Now notice what he says. Declare how much God has done for you. Then what is the very next sentence? Then he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Luke is trying to say that Jesus is God. And what this man did, he went proclaiming that he was lost, but now he's found. He was blind, but now he sees. He was possessed by demons, now he is clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. Beloved, every single one of you who is a Christian has a story. You have a testimony of when you were lost, now you can see. You have that testimony. Would you proclaim it like this man? Would you just share it? So that when we sing those words, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long, or the one we love to sing on Wednesday night, I love to tell the story. I love to tell the story. I pray we would be the kind of people who would love to tell the story. Because the purpose of spiritual deliverance is not only to, to glorify God and to give us a story, but it's for the world. God has changed your life so that the world would come to know him through your life. If we don't share our story, we are stopping short of what God has planned for you and for this church. Beloved, I pray we would be the kind of people who would share our story because we want to tell about our Savior and his love, how he came from glory to rescue us from our sin. I, I pray that you would respond to this message. If you are here and you have not responded to that message, if you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, can I just urge you today, make a decision to talk to someone around you. Come down, have a conversation with me. Talk to me at the door. Talk to me at the visitor's luncheon. Just talk to me about Jesus. You know why? I love this story. 
I love the story of Jesus because I am a sinner that has been saved by grace. We should all want to share that story. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for the testimony of this man uh, who you um, exercised demons. Father, we thank you that we, were, uh, we who have all been in spiritual bondage has been freed through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we pray that there is no other fount that we know other than the, the fount that flows through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that we would just be a kind of people that glory and that we have been saved from our depravity through the power and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.